Jason, today's episode of the Lee Summit Town Hall podcast is brought to the good people by Budget Blinds. Budget Blinds! Hey, did you know Signature Series automated shades provide a safer environment for children and pets due to their cordless nature? All hail those robot shade overlords. Did you know that? I mean, is this new? It, well, not for us, but you know, in case you are listening now, perhaps you have started the subscription in election season to wisely listen to the dulcet tones of Nick and Jason, and you are unfamiliar with our Robot Shade Overlords in the Signature Series Automated Shades. Now you know. Now you know. Those programmable features, they allow you to use heating or cooling only when you need it to hit maximum energy efficiency. So if you're ready, Jason, to make your home a smart home. You want to make it safer and more efficient. Go see our friends at Budget Blinds of Lee Summit. Tell them Jason Nick sent you. Hello and welcome to this Friday episode of the Lee Summit Town Hall podcast. I'm here again. Yeah, that's Jason. I'm Nick and we have a special guest. We are back on the candidate trail this week. So on Friday we have three Board of Education candidates. We have Kim Fritchie, Mark Leach, and Matt Newald. Welcome guys. They are situated, by the way, left to right across your audio dial. Thank you. Wow, that's like old school baseball baseball intro there. You're welcome. As we do each time, uh, we base these questions off off of some Q&As that we send each and every candidate. We will not ask everybody the exact same questions, but we do follow similar paths and themes. We will follow up. We will follow up. Uh, we don't like the uh, the forms where we get nine of you in a row and we ask you the same question and then 30 minutes later or an hour, we forget what we were talking about. So we're going to have a little fun. We're going to let everybody know who you are, what your perspectives are in the district, and then we're going to get to the one and only question where we actually judge you. We don't do endorsements, but we have one question where you will be judged. There is a right answer to the last and question. And judged harshly. Okay. So everybody knows I'm going to start Kim Fritchie. The really tough questions come first. Minute or less. Why are you running? Um, I'm running for the school board because um, I am the only incumbent running for the school board uh, this session. And I'm running because, frankly, I'm not finished. Um, I have been through some, some ups and downs with the board in the last three years. And I feel like uh, we have some work to do still. Uh, we hired a great superintendent, and I want to see that he gets started on a very positive path and that we work together in collaboration as a team to improve on our performance and do much better for our students and for our community. Okay, I'm going to be mean, and I'm going to skip right, I'm going to skip right over Mark, and I'm going to go to Matt. Matt, you get to go second. Why are you running? Um, I'm a 15-year resident of Lee Summit. I've currently got three children in the system. I've got one at Lee Summit High and two at Pleasantly Elementary. I'm also a small business owner. Um, I think uh, my past leadership roles um, in various associations, both at the state and national level, um, give me a unique skill set and experience, um, along with the my experience of actually being in the classrooms or in, in the school setting with my children. Um, I think that brings a different perspective um, to the board that we maybe haven't had on a large scale in the past. Mark, same question to you. Why are you running? Well, in my professional life, I, I work for an insurance agency, and we have a very large book of public entity business. And part of the services that we offer is executive search. And 
I work closely with the different districts around the metro area, and what we're hearing is Lee Summit is challenged to attract top talent. That's one. Two, my wife is a 27-year retiree of the school district, uh, and she's a wonderful lady, a wonderful educator, very, comp very passionate about what she did, but she couldn't wait to retire. And I think some of the actions for coming from central office and the board um, has created a culture that is lowering morale. And this is a district that, that I grew up in and I feel very strong about, and I would like to see it restored to the great district that it once was. Okay, well, um, we're going to start off with, I, I think, one actually where there's going to be a fair bit of in agreement amongst the, the three of you. All of you talked um, uh, in one way or another uh, about the importance of the bond issue and how it relates to the future uh, future of the district and the growth of the district. So, Manuel, we're going to start with you. Um, how do you, you mentioned your mentions about improving uh, transparency and things of that nature. How do you plan on bringing that focus on transparency um, on the finances and the, and the works of the district, especially in light of the bond issue and its potential passage? Well, first off, I've had significant, significant experience with um, <clears throat> looking at budgets in the past. And I think one of the big things is um, I obviously support the bond. I was on middle school planning team. Um, Lee Summit's facing some significant capacity and infrastructure issues that, that need to immediately be addressed. But also with that, we have to keep the taxpayer in mind. Um, and so a rather large number with that bond. And I think it's incumbent that we have a board who is going to provide fiscal oversight and keep a constant eye on those projects as they're prioritized and implemented. Um, I think through that process, too, um, as we're trying to sell this bond to the public, we've got to have an open and transparent process out of SLC as to what we're actually doing and how we're utilizing those taxpayer dollars um, <clears throat> to the best of their benefit. All right, I'm going to jump in real quick. I'm going to say SLC because we're all probably going to say it, but SLC, the Stansberry Leadership Center. I like to be clear every once in a while, Jason. Why? I don't know. Why start every after once in a while? three years? Why start now? It's not uh, Salt Lake City. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, I'm going to I'm going to follow up just a little bit because you 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 said you have extensive experience working with budgets. What what is that experience? Where does it come from? Because all I know about you is that you drill people in their teeth and it, you make them scream in pain. That's <laughs> <laughs> wow, you you've gone like I thought I was the mean one, and you're over here besmirching the man's dentistry. I'm not sure that's entirely an accurate uh, oh, assessment. Oh, uh, oh, oh! So oh. Wait, um, I, I may have a fear of dentists. So about that. That, uh, I've held various leadership roles, both uh, with the state dental association and the national dental association. Um, my role at the state dental association, I'm a past president. Um, during my tenure as the incoming president and the past president, we ran into several budget crises where we had to literally line item the entire budget. We spent two days um, hunkered down in a conference room, and we put a litmus test every line item to, so we could find where there's overlap of resources, and we were best utilizing those resources without having to raise dues to our members because it was in 2009, so it was a bad time to start asking for money with the recession. Um, I also have quite a bit of experience. Um, I was a delegate to the American Dental Association's House of Delegates which uh, operates in an interesting manner, similar to Congress. Um, but we provide the oversight and develop the budget for the entire American Dental Association, which is in the hundreds of millions of dollars. So, and that's a lengthy process as well. And when you have 400-some members in the room providing oversight of that budget, it gets pretty extensive as far as how deep you dive into it. Awesome. All right, uh, Kim, let's let's yes. move to you. Um, what? How do you um, see the 
the the role of the bond issue and in, in the future of the district as we go? Well, first of all, I want to say that um, I think that the bond issue is critical for us to to pass the passage of this this no tax bond issue. And all I, right, I, stay on brand. And I'm staying. <laughs> yeah, I'm staying there because I think there's uh, some from from some of the things I've been hearing. There's some confusion as to that fact, okay, is that it's not going to raise people's taxes. That's the first thing. Um, Yes, it's a large amount, but every single item in that uh, bond issue is necessary. Um, We critically need more early childhood uh, classrooms for our students. That's very, very important to get our kids started on the right track. Uh, we we really need that fourth middle school. We need the upgrades at the other middle schools. Lee Summit High School is a 1956 building that has not had any significant alterations over the years. And I was there and and graduated from that high school in 1977. So I can. I, I thought you were going to claim you to be sitting there in 1956, and I'm like, Liar. no, no, no. I, I wasn't around in 1956, but I was there around in 1977. And and just um, the the fact that they want to improve the infrastructure of Lee Summit High School and create a safe passageway from Building A to Building B, those two main buildings, and the, through there is is very very important, as well as the addition to Mason Elementary because they're crowded and all the safe safety improvements. Um, this is just such an important issue, and uh, we can't afford not to pass this issue, honestly. I'm going to, I'm going to follow, follow up with, with, I want to get back to the, the transparency issue a little bit. I think okay. we've, we've had a, a, a lot of people, a lot of candidates have talked about it. We've had a lot of people in the public talking about this. Maybe, can we trust the board? Can we trust the district to do this thing? What kind of transparency is there going to be, can you make happen so that people feel comfortable with this this giant bond, this big price tag that they're, they're approving be spent? Well, first of all, I, I think when you advertise, you, you, have to prov- you have to prove that you're going to do it, okay? And they're, they're very specific on the items that are on that bond issue. They're advertising it and, it, and it's not false advertising. And we as a board have to follow up on that. We have to provide oversight for that and ensure that each of those steps is going to happen in the future to make sure that every single item is provided for our students that we can provide for our students and for our community. It's, it's vitally important. So the communication has to be clear. Uh, we need updates on that regularly. We'll get updates at board meetings because that's what we do. Okay, And um, we'll provide those updates to the, the community. We just hired a new executive director of uh, public relations. Okay, and um, she will be on board, and she will be uh, putting those uh, updates out. Mark, okay, so uh, you once again, you talked a little bit about uh, trust issues as well when when you were doing, and we'll, we're going to start there and then roll into a, a question that will follow up. But where are you on 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 the growth of the district and and how perhaps the bond issue or other issues relate into that? Well, yeah, there's just been unbelievable growth in in the city and you know the school district along with the water department police department everybody has been challenged mm-hmm. to keep up with that and uh, you know this bond issue this no tax increase bond issue is absolutely critical that it that it gets passed so we can manage that growth as important um, as it passing if it doesn't pass it is absolutely critical we have the right people to make the right decisions going forward. 
All right. Well, I'm going to stick with you, and we're going to take that, and we're going to roll right into our next topic, which is a, a little bit about you. You mentioned in your question about talking a little bit about um, rebuilding that trust with the community. Um, about you, you had noticed talking about understanding and respecting the new superintendent, Dr. Buck. Um, how do you how do you balance that vision with this need to provide oversight to to maintain or in probably most of you's cases to rebuild some of the trust issues that we may have with the community? Well, I, I think it starts with the staff, uh, not just the classroom teachers, but food service, transportation, all staff members have got to be made to feel that they're an important part of the school district. And I think once that occurs, then it, it comes back the other direction towards the towards central office and towards the new superintendent and we can start to trust each other again. I'm going to stay kind of on this on this similar theme about about communication and trust and and Matt one of the things you talked about in your in your questionnaire with us was you you talked about difficulties with dissent and you talked about the the school board speaking with with one voice and you you even went as far as to say the calling for policies that there not be dissent and I want to ask you about that a little bit because how do how do you as a board engage with the community in issues where there there is disagreement if there if dissent is not allowed among the board? Well, you know, as as I said in my survey, and I went through this with the dental association where we had to change our governance policies and put strict policies in place. And I'm a firm believer in policy governance, so that and basically what that says is. When a board votes on an issue or establishes a policy, the board speaks with one voice, and typically through the president. And I think that's exist that's existing policy right now. I think it's um, anytime you have a dissent, you know they're welcome to talk to people about it. But when you publicly display a dissent or use local media outlets or social media outlets, you have weakened the board to such such a degree that you become completely ineffective. So that's why having governance policies for board, and I, I'm a firm believer that one of the first things I want to do is go in and review those and you know, re make recommendations on what we need to adopt to prevent that from happening. As we all are well aware, that happened multiple times this last year. And what that does, it, it, it complicates the transparency issue because everything that the school district positive is trying to put out is being overshadowed by all this negative and dissension and whatnot. So um, I'm a unifier. I'm a relationship builder, and that's kind of my um, big reason for um, running for school board because I think we have to come together. I've been here long enough. This community has always come together. Having a strong board, it starts at the top. If you do that, we have a great opportunity with Dr. Buck to establish a good working relationship with him, let him put his administrative team in charge, and, and it, it's, it trickles downhill. And I think if he can establish good working relationships between SLC and our, our teachers and staff, um, we're going to boost that morale and regain that public trust. Well, okay, so I want to I follow up, and I think maybe this is just a clarifying question at this point. Are you – one of the things I thought, you know, that, that's out there is that disagreement is fine as, as a thing. So at the dais, I think there are going to be times when the vote is not 7 nothing. Mm -hmm. um, are you anticipating these policies sort of prevent, like – 
dissenting votes or are you talking no. about dissenting talk after no not at all i mean that's what i mean dissension is good in debate and and when you're considering and establishing public policy but you know once the board has voted and the majority has voted and you've established policy it's incumbent that that board walk out the door and they speak with one voice otherwise what's the point of having the board there in the first place Okay. Well, I, thank you. I just wanted to make sure I, that we were I'm, clear. On I want. I want to. I want to come back one. One quick thing, and this is this is where I, I totally understand because the the marketing side of me says, of course they have to be with one voice, and then the the journalist in me is like, but I want to hear all the voices. Absolutely. Um, but so let's go back to last year. There was a moment last year where two of the board members voiced their reason for the dissenting voice after 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 a big vote. That doesn't happen very often, but I think they f- they would say that they felt like they they wanted to give their reasons for for that. So is is that something that you don't want to happen? I think there is an appropriate manner. I mean, the, the board currently has policies in place that the board president is the spokesperson for the board. I think anytime we're, we're not talking about a two party system like Congress or anything, where you know one party does one thing and the next one immediately goes out and holds a press conference. I think it's very unhealthy in a community like ours when the board is voted, a majority voted, and then two board members take it upon themselves to, you know, publicly, you know, make statements. Um, I think it's a disservice to the district. I mean, at the end of the day, we're here for the staff and the, the teachers and the students. And to create that type of discord from a seven-member board is extremely unhealthy for our district. Fair enough. All right. Well, Kim, we're gonna, I'm going to come to you and kind of follow in on this. You know, you sat through and made some, you know, significant votes um, and and flipped a vote in the in the end mm-hmm. um, on on these matters that were of 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 great dissent um, mm-hmm. and disagreement on the board going for things. So, and, and and I'm going to say this in the most pejorative way possible, but that's just where we are. So you kind of helped make the mess. Um, I know that not alone, obviously. Um, how do you like? As the, the existing ongoing members of the board, um, mm-hmm. should you win re-election, how do you go about like rebuilding that trust with that? Well, I think the important thing is that um, I think we've lost sight of the fact that, that a board is technically a team and that we need to have teamwork. And when you, when you work as a team, you may discuss and you may have differing opinions but you need to listen to one another and you need to respect one another and then you place your vote. And as Matt said, I agree with what he said, is when after you have placed your vote, then that's it. Our board norms, we have board norms that say, specifically, once the vote has been taken, the board goes with that decision and does not go out of that room and, and may have other opinions and dissent that decision. That's our norm. And that's what we're expected to follow because we voted on those norms. Okay? So, I mean, once a decision is made, we make it, we move on. And I'm, I'm, if I'm in the minority on that decision, I just, you know, I go with what the majority says and when I walk out of that room. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I, I certainly understand that. Um, and I think that, that obviously there was the – the the equity plan the or the execution of the equity plan and the decisions surrounding the uh, parting with Dr. Carpenter, you know, all of that was just there was a lot of of public unrest. There was a lot mm-hmm. of disagreement and on the board. There were 
you know, relatively clear sides, which is fine. I mean, you, once again, that's just disagreement. It's not partisan, but it, it is, mm-hmm. it is disagreement. And there, and it does not, it strikes me anyway. And I think, in, and you can look in the public commentary in general that we haven't really gotten through that yet um, over the last piece of that. How do you anticipate, because once again, you were there. I mean, if, if Dr. Newald or Mr. Leach were to win their seats, regardless of you, they can come in and go, I'm the new guy. It's fine. Right. But you were there. And so how do you work through that process? I think we work through it with a, with a desire and a commitment to, to make, make things better. Um, it wasn't our finest hour uh, the last year or so. It, it just wasn't. We have to, we have to own that. Okay. Um, but we do have, we have a place to go forward in a positive way. And that's, that's what we need to do right now is establish those norms as a new board. And as a new board, I'll agree that we will move forward with those and we're going to do that positively and we're going to respect one another and we're going to work as a team because we honestly, we have to do that for the sake of our kids and the sake of this school district because uh, they were right when they said, both of these gentlemen said, we've got to work our way back to excellence. Lee Summit School District has been known for its excellent schools for years and years. And uh, we've, we've slipped, and we've, we've disappointed our staff members, and we've disappointed our community, and we need to do better. Hi, I'm Jane Monroe, owner of Embrace the Grape and District 4 resident. Donnie Funk has my vote for city council, and here's why. Donnie's time serving on the planning commission, his experience in the construction industry, and his work as a small business owner has given him the insight we need on city council. This means that Donnie knows the questions to ask to get accountability for our tax dollars. Donnie Funk is a strong advocate for public safety and will work to ensure police and firefighters, along with all city employees, are well cared for. Join me in voting Funk for Four on April 7th. Have you ever wondered what factors go into creating your FICO score? If so, you're not alone. Score a Better Future is an exciting nationwide program created by FICO, the company which developed the FICO score used in over 90% of all credit-granting decisions by lenders. In partnership with local nonprofit organizations, the next Score a Better Future financial community education event is coming to Kansas City. This free event will be held at the Bruce R. Watkins Cultural Heritage Center at 3700 Blue Parkway on March 19th from 6 to 8.30 p.m. Hear from FICO experts, gain access to your FICO score for free, and get one-on-one counseling from local nonprofit credit counselors. Dinner is also free, and Congressman Emanuel Cleaver from the 5th District will be speaking. Don't miss out. Spots will go fast, so go to www.fico.com backslash S-A-B-F to reserve your spot today. It's time to score a better future for you and your family. All right, Kim, we're going to stick with you um, and kind of move to the thinking forward thing. You, you made a comment. We're going to, we're going to turn to the equity plan and, and that, that process as we're going through it. You talked in your, your questionnaire about, um, you know, your experience with it. Would you relate that to us uh, at this point? And so, so like, tell us what you've gone through so far and then how you think that that's going to play into what you're doing going forward. Okay. Um, you know, I, I think you have to go back to the first um, vote on the equity plan. And honestly, um, you know, I, I'm a person who has to have all of the information 
laid out before me. I need to know all the facts before I vote on an issue. And I just really felt like um, we were supposed to have a work session prior to that session, that, that full board meeting that we voted, and we did not get that work session. So we did not have ample opportunity to ask all the questions that we needed to have asked. And um, so uh, when it came to the actual board meeting, um, my vote was a no because of my lack of information on that issue. And so that's just a personal uh, you know, standard of mine is I'm not going to vote yes on something when I still have unanswered questions and I don't have all the facts. So that was my reasoning for that. I don't feel like that um, I made that stance perfectly clear on that vote. And that's, I have to own that myself. But that's why when we came back later, we had the ample opportunity to get that information. Um, and we were given that opportunity to talk to the committee, to look at the curriculum, to ask questions, got all the questions answered. That's when we came back. We took a second vote, and I voted yes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in, and let's fast forward a little bit. Mm -hmm. and, and, and the process has started. The, the, there has been some training going on. You've been a part of it so far. So catch us up a little bit. What, what have you seen? Mm -hmm. What is your reaction so far to, to, to that training? Okay, um, the board's had two sessions that we've been trained by EEC. Um, I've, I've been very pleased with that training myself, um, and I've read the, all of the feedback from our staff members who had, have been a part of that training, and that's been very positive, too. Uh, so, um, you know, moving forward, I think the big question is, are we going to continue the EC training? Um, if all of the feedback keeps coming back in the positive as it has been, um, I will be for that. And I want to say on a personal note, um, that training has really helped open my eyes on, on a few issues. I'll give you the perfect example. I was asked to go uh, be a mystery reader at Hawthorne Hill this past week. Um, Do you have to like hide behind a screen or something? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. There's just, there's just a new face coming in and ah, read, reading <laughs> to first graders. But uh, the EEC training um, helped me understand that uh, students of color need to see themselves in their curriculum. That's one of the points that I learned. And so when I selected the books to take into the classroom to read to the students, I selected a book that was from an African-American writer, and it featured an African-American family. And so, and the kids loved the book. It was called Whistle for Willie. And um, the kids loved the book, and the teacher said when the kids went out to recess, they were trying to practice whistling. So, uh, but at any rate, it just that's just one of the things I learned. Awesome. Well, thank you. Mm -hmm. Mark, we're going to come to you. You and your your questionnaires you're talking about um you talked about your relationship with the equity plan or the equity process um stating that you wanted it without regard to race religion or gender isn't that actually equality and not equity it is it is and it's more about opportunity i mean so much of the equity discussion seems to be towards the african-american and i think the district has a fair number of hispanics uh, and other cultures that have to be included in the discussion. Well, sure. Okay. So are you, are you advocating then, and, and this was unclear in your answer, are you advocating for uh, something sort of generic equity program? Or are you, are you acting, one of the things that the equity plan states when, when you pull up the document and are looking through there, they talk about a reference to culturally relevant ed education, which is kind of what you hinted at. Mm -hmm. So are you advocating for, for that? Or are you advocating for, and I hate to use the phrase, colorblind 
uh, education in that regard? You know, I, I think what needs to occur is the data needs to be analyzed, and when I'm and and looking at the data and the results, and then go forward from there. I'm not. I don't. I wouldn't support a colorblind type uh, situation. I, I would support a a situation that is specifically tailored to the areas that are deficient. Awesome. All right, um, Matt, we're going to switch over to you. Um, and you're getting the make sure you're close to the microphone face <laughs> yeah. from Nick over there. All right, you you noted here, um, you, one of your things when you talked about the equity is to make sure that we address equity in all backgrounds. Um, are you, in your opinion, have we been remiss in addressing any backgrounds that that are out there so far? Well, I think, you know, I'm in the schools and my kids go to some of the more diverse schools um, in the Lee Summit District. And we have kids that come in from all walks of life. And, you know, when we focused on this equity plan last year, obviously we were tying into the achievement gap, but we were we were so focused on just one aspect of it, it being the race. Um, and I'm I'm the type of guy that I'm a numbers guy, you know, and I want measurable outcomes. Um, when we look at the achievement gap, we've got all types of kids falling through the cracks with the achievement gap. And, you know, race and this equity uh, plan is probably a, a piece of that, but it's just a piece of it. There are so many other pieces with socioeconomic backgrounds. What's what, what do these child's home lives look like? You know, when did they enter our system? I think that's a big thing. You know, kids that go through a pre-K system, you know, show that they're much less likely to not fall into the achievement gap. Um, so I think when we're looking at this picture, so far, you know, I've heard great things about the EC feedback. The few people I've talked to, I don't, I'm not as much in the know as as Kim is, but I. I really honestly haven't heard any negative feedback. And I think we need to continue with those type of programs because it does open our eyes to some of these issues that go on that we maybe aren't consciously aware of. But at the same time, we have to look at the other causative factors and we have to address the problem as a whole. So, because I think when we single out one group, that's where we get this discord and we're effectively doing what we're advocating not doing. We're leaving another, other groups out. Well, I mean, I don't think that there's anything in the equity plan proper that that was leaving any of those groups out. I think that it attempted to be broad. I think a lot of the conversation centered around race because uh, I think the primacy that the then superintendent placed upon race as a, as a causative factor in that whole thing. But moving past that, I, I'm sorry, I don't want to get off on. Uh, since it's not about me. This is about you guys. Um, I want to. I'm going ju- to jump in. I'm going to okay. jump in. Actually, um, all three of you just talked about data and reviewing and wondering. So, so let's get to, as, as we, as we push forward, once, once the election's over, we'll be nearing that, that first year of the contract. It was a one-year contract with the EEC for this Mm -hmm. training. So how will you judge, how will you evaluate what the training has done, whether it's worth bringing them back for more, whether it's worth adjusting that, that plan? What are the, what are the things that you guys are going to be looking at if you're elected and you have a seat on that dice? And Mark, I'm going to start with you. I would say probably get staff input and and find out from the classroom teachers if there is in fact benefit in this type of training. Okay. Uh, I guess we'll go, Matt, we'll go to you and then we'll, we'll let Kim finish up. I'm going to echo his sentiments. I think one of the biggest things, anytime we're looking at new programs uh, on any lines, we it's incumbent upon us to listen to the, our troops on the ground and that's our teachers and paras and staff in the classrooms. You know, how is that impacting you know, their ability to do what they need to do. And I think that feedback is critical. And I think the, you know, the, 
the board and existing board need to engage the staff on that level, you know, whether it be through the administration or whatnot, but okay. staff feedback is, is incumbent. One, one of the things um, you've mentioned um, in your answers, and I think they were mentioned in other answers as well, is that they, you want the outcomes to be measurable. Well, I, and, and, and one of the things that EEC told us when they came that I think at least initially that those are really hard to come by. So where do you, how do you make that, how do you match that up? No, and I had a hard time with that whenever, you know, they gave that proposal, like, you know, we don't really have any measurable outcomes, but I'm also not naive. I mean, I'm realistic. You know, you having staff feedback, whether it's positive or negative, is a measurable outcome. So there is a way to, you know, put, you know, well, I, I, while, while it's not statistically measurable, um, you can still measure it. Is it being effective? I mean, teacher input is, I mean, what they, what their feedback is, is, is definitely a measurable outcome. All right. Well, Kim, let, let, let's come to you. So what are, what are, when you guys signed the, when you signed the deal, what kind of outcomes were you looking for? And, um, and are they, are they still the same now that to you now that they were then? I think they're, uh, it goes to, um, sort of, a, a, I want to say some soft skills in a way. Um, when you receive the training, you learn things like, um, about all different types of of people and situations it might be people with handicaps it might be people with uh, it might be ageism there's all different ways that we can have prejudices okay and i think what that does is it opens your eyes to that and and i think it helps all of our staff whether it's a district office administrator um, who's doing hiring or whether it's a classroom teacher um, who has those those little kiddos or the bigger kiddos in their classes, and it helps them understand um, and start to see in a different way those those kids, and so that you're that you're trying to under, understand um, just different kinds of differences and be aware of that because there are ways that it's called unconscious bias. All right, uh, we learn lots of terminology, um, but but we all have it. And I don't think that we realize we have it until somebody points it out to us. And I think that's one thing is once the teachers have and the staff members have that pointed out to them, then they can sort of get a handle on that and understand it. Because, I mean, if I would have asked to be a mystery, a mystery reader last year and pick two books off of my kids, my grandkids' bookshelf to read, I probably would have not chosen the books that I chose this time. Because I've had that training, and now I'm thinking in my, in my brain. It made me aware so that I can go forward and try to find literature that's relevant to all kids in that room. Awesome. Well, we, in this podcast, we have one very, very conscious bias. We do. We do have one. I want to, before we get to it, I just want to thank Kim, Mark, Matt. Thank yeah, you very thank much you for, for been a very joining us. Thank you for, for throwing your hat in the ring. Um, that's one thing we always, we want people to get involved. So, so thank you guys for doing that. Thanks for giving us a little bit of your time. This is the one point where we will judge you. Judging time. Okay. I'm going to start, Mark. I'm going to go, Mark, I'm going to go, Kim, and then Matt, you get the final word. You get the final try. If I were to put two plates in front of you, one of them has tacos and one of them has burgers, which one are you picking up? Tacos. That is the right That answer. is the correct answer. Kim? Kim? Definitely tacos. All right. Matt? You're gonna, are you going to go out there? I don't there? eat burgers or tacos, so I'm going to give them both back to you. 
Oh my god! Oh, oh, wow! Wow! That could be worse. That was that was. I don't. I thought we could he, come he up didn't. with the worse answer than we got the last. You know, time. we and we, yet, we had we somebody are. go political tacos. answer last. Not tacos. There it there is. We, we had we had somebody try to go political, not choose last time. So I. But wow! That was that was that was gutsy. Maybe Matt would like veggie tacos or something. But see, yeah. that's what makes it better. Okay. Because you can do veggie. veggie tacos. All right. Well, thank you guys for coming thank and taking time with us. And uh, I'm, I'm going to say this to everyone, but good luck in the election. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. We'll talk to everybody on Monday. You have been listening to Lee's Summit Town Hall, a Leak to Lee's Summit podcast with host Nick Parker, a proud member of the Fredcast Network. You can subscribe to this podcast on most podcast apps and catch us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for all of the news, analysis, and conversations on the Lee's Summit community. Connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at Link to Lee's Summit or on Twitter at LS Town Hall. <laughs> <laughs>